Welcome back to the Change Your Filter podcast. I am your host, Tall Paul. I guess I'm technically welcoming myself back. I took a little break over the holidays, spent some time with my family, got deep into some planning for the year, and onboarded some new team members here at Contractor Commerce, who I'm excited for some of you to meet. I was in full out planning mode. And um, as part of that process, I met today's guest, Dominic Rubino. Dominic is an author, entrepreneur, coach, trainer, speaker, TEDx speaker, mind you, and self-described terrible fly fisherman. I think everyone at their core is a terrible fly fisherman. I don't, I've, I've met one person, shout out to Dan, who is, is good at that. Dominic has started, built, sold, and failed at numerous businesses over his career. In his book, Construction Millionaire Secrets, he shares systems and tools to work on your business from the neck up, which I thought was a pretty good way to describe it. Spoiler alert, Dom shares his framework for running high impact meetings somewhere past the 30 or 40 minute mark in this episode. I found it helpful and totally worth noting. Please enjoy this conversation with my good friend, Dominic Rubino. Welcome to the Change Your Filter podcast. Thank you. Love it. And happy new year. I know last time we spoke, it was right around the holidays. Did you have a, a wonderful Christmas? We had a great Christmas. Everything you ever wanted in Christmas. Lots of shoveling of snow. <laughs> lots of melting of snow. Uh, lots of family in town. And just life is good. good I'm a happy good. guy anyways, but life is good. And you you turn the, the calendar over. It's 2023. And as a business coach, you've got to be thinking about strategic planning and you've got to be thinking about your own business and your customer's business. What's this type of, what's this time of year? What's it like for, for you and your world? You know, it's interesting because people are finally thinking about things I'm hoping they think about all year long. Right. (laughs) Right. We had a, we just did a, a thing, how to make 2023 your best year ever. And on my podcast, which you've been a guest on already, you know, I offer it as a free download, a free workbook. And so it's nice to see people downloading it and uh, taking advantage of that and understanding that, you know, you have to stop every once in a while and just refire your brain, you know, get into that, uh, the mindset of being a business owner who just happens to run an HVAC company, who just happens to run an MEP, you know, focus company, whatever it is, right? You just, too often we get caught up in the day-to-day and forget that we're actually running a business. So how do you make 2023 the best year ever? Intentionally. I mean, I think the, the easy answer is you have to, just like anything, approach it with intention. If, if you walk onto a job site and say, I'm going to do the best job, let's use HVAC as our continuing example here. I'm going to do the best install of a heat exchanger I've ever done. Well, guess what's going to happen? You're going to make a great heat exchanger install, right? You're going to do that really, really well, or you're going to find ways to do it better next time. If you walk in and go, I just got to get out of this place. I hate these owners. They're just a hassle. The dog's barking and biting at me. This place smells like cat pee. Get me out of here. Well, guess what kind of job you're going to do, right? So it's it's the intention of, and people are laughing. They're like, how did he know that place smelled like cat pee? Because it just does. You just know that thing. It always does. So I know we jumped right into kind of the the interview here, but for our guests who may not have met you before or have not heard your podcast, why don't you give our, our listeners just kind of an overview from uh, of your career and what you do and who you are? And what's, what's that one line you use on your podcast? It's like, how did you 
how did you end up at the pinnacle of all media on your podcast? Or what, what is the, what is your opening line? Um, I can't, well, I've got so many opening lines. I mean, <laughs> if, if you want, if, if you're, if you suddenly look around and realize, Hey, I'm a contractor, I'm running a business here instead of a contractor jumping from job to job, then you're in the right place because I, my show is all about being a business person who happens to be a contractor, yep. not just a contractor with a couple of guys or a couple of trucks, right? There's a difference. That slight mindset shift really plays out big. And that's about making 2023 or 2024 your best year ever. It doesn't matter. That's yeah. the intention of it, right? So how did you get into coaching and kind of the, everything you do oh today, business gosh. consulting? Tell me, tell me your career story, if you would. Yeah, it's, it's going to be long. I'll tell you some of the funny highlights. I like it. Okay, so in university, I have a degree as an archaeologist. You just gave away where you lived, by the way. But go ahead. Why? Because they said university? Yeah, they don't say university here in the United States. College. What do you say? College. college. Yeah, college. College. What is it? College. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. Dead, so dead it, giveaway. It, it, I thought the funny part was the fact that I'm an archaeologist. So I thought that <laughs> I totally, would be the. <laughs> I totally missed that. Okay, hold on. Let's go back. So you're an archaeologist. So you studied. Tell me what's going on there. Well, I, really, what I studied was forensic anthropology. I, okay. I just yeah. like that stuff, right? You yeah. know, I've got. A, this is going to sound weird, but I have a background in hunting and fishing. Okay. I love it. That's my what I love to do. As and a so hobby. that sort of as yeah. a hobby, yeah, not professional. Uh, although I could have gone that path in my life as a guide no big, or something. No big deal. You've got yeah. you've got all the American guests right back on the bus with that comment right there, right? Yeah. So you're, yeah. you've got a fully engaged audience here. Yeah, my my audience is almost all Americans as well. Sorry <laughs> to you Canadians out there. There's, <laughs> there's only six of us up here. We're all named Dave. <laughs> Apparently. Um, but anyways, I got into it because I, I really liked understanding archery. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, that starts leading to projectile points. Then you start taking courses and you're like, you teach this in school. Okay, I'll take that as a class. Totally. So, you know, uh, that's how I ended up with that. But then I went into the corporate world and that's actually where I became a business coach, believe it or not. I got trained by Sprint, Sprint mm -hmm. Telecom. Yep. Uh, and my job, I went into very small towns and I showed small local phone companies how to turn their businesses around. Yep. And I got trained by Sprint to do that. And I really liked it. And then I started to hate corporate. I'm not a corporate guy at all. I'm much more of an entrepreneur. Was this early, earlier in your career? So like early 20s, oh, yeah. mid 20s? Yeah. Okay. We're talking, yeah, like I graduated high school in 86. Okay. So I was yep. probably at Sprint by like, yeah, 90 or something like that. I was eight. Oh, yeah, I'm old. I'm oh, old. you're mature. I'll tell you, my first trades company, though, is one I just made up out of my head. And I installed Christmas lights on people's homes. Underrated. Completely totally underrated, underrated service. I think we talked about this last time. Yeah. The Yo-Ho-Ho -Ho Light Co. That's right. Because you mentioned <laughs> that it's not very, it was more gangster than uh, than funny. But yeah, so I, I, I love Christmas too. I love Christmas. <laughs> so I installed Christmas lights on homes. And then I, I was a painter during university. I painted homes. Yep. Uh, learned a lot through that. I will tell you, if you ever get somebody submitting a resume to you and they were in any sort of student painting organization, you need to hire them because they went through trial by fire. Tell me more about that. So, you, I mean, you could work for a student painting company. That's one thing. But if you go and become a student painter during university, you've signed up for just an absolutely grueling, you know, you're, you're trying to start and run a business inside of summer break. So right. two, three months. Yeah. So you go through the whole, it's the life cycle of a fruit fly. 
but but applied to business. So if you if you do find somebody there who is successful at that, I can tell you their work ethic is high. They know how to follow systems, and uh, uh, they're at least worth pursuing through the interview process. Yeah. They would be very high level already, just in their mindset. And yeah. so that that cut the cloth for you. For entrepreneurship. For entrepreneurship. So you, yeah. you get out and then you have to find a real job. So you land at Sprint. And I land at Sprint. And then, then I got fed up with corporate for a whole bunch of... How long were you, you know, there? Um, well, in telecom, it's like dog years. Yep. So I was there for seven human years, which yep. is about 21 years in dog years. Because I, that's telecom just changes fast. I get it. Yeah. Were you in telecom at all? I was not. I do know some folks here in the States who are in similar with similar companies, just super high velocity, super intense. And um, you're right that the dog year analogy is a great oh. way. It's interesting because many of the uh, kind of digital marketing companies and SEO companies of today all cut their teeth in mm-hmm. the yellow pages world and have now become, you know, the yellow pages of what SEO or whatever. Yeah. So interesting. So seven years. What were some of the formative things you did? I'm, by the way, just as, a, as an aside, like I'm always fascinated by the early parts of people's careers. Oh, sure. Because there's this like, you, like you don't just immediately get out of school and start pursuing your dreams. Maybe you do. Maybe. I, I don't know. No. You, you've got to, you've got this period of time and I look for it on people's resume where you just kind of have to eat dirt for a period of time. I call it going and get kicked in the head. Going and getting kicked in the head, right? Yeah. The bills are coming in. You're start, trying to start a family. You need your first oh. car and your first house. And like all these things are are great in theory that you want to do and how you want to spend your time. But you are knocking on doors and picking up the phone and chasing invoices. Actually me. knocking on doors. Yeah. Actually. Yep. Actually knocking on doors and, you know, not making. So, I, you know, living because I had a sales quota. Mm-hmm. There were times that I ate barbecue sauce sandwiches. Those, that's, I, I'm not kidding. That's man, all I, I can afford. Absolutely believe it. I can I yeah. can share many of stories early, early days. So bad. Like I had a great, you know, I'd have a great month and so I'd be going to buy dry goods yep. because I knew that maybe a, not a good month was coming up. I don't even know why I stayed in it, except I, I loved what I did mm-hmm. um, and I didn't know anything else. And I thought corporate is what you do when you came out of school. But yep. it, ultimately it wasn't for me. But, you know, some of the high points or the low points of uh, working for Sprint, and it would be the same. I'm not knocking Sprint, but yeah. the incredible stress that I was under, like mm-hmm. sleeping under my desk, mm. uh, worried about making quota or losing my job yep. uh, was constant because, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's imagine a frat house locker room or like a high intensity gym locker room. That's what the sales floor was like there, like incredibly intense every yeah. single day. Um, and you just eat what you kill, you know, I mean, we had a base salary, but base salary is not good when everybody else is beyond that. You get yeah. measured against everybody else every day. So we learned, you know, we learned and we succeeded and went on and I had some you know, funny stories and bad stories and just normal run of the mill stories from that. But is some of that stuff still kind of hardwired or baked into your DNA today? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you want a funny thing, I didn't, and this is just a, it's a Dom thing, but I'm a, a vicious prospector. Okay. Tell me so more. So I can, I, it, prospecting does not bother me at all. Um, and I learned that at Sprint. So prospecting being going out and cold calling people, yep. door knocking or, or whatever. Uh, you just learn that uh, when you're working for a company that demands it as part of the process. Now today we've got online marketing tools that'll generate leads, but in the old days we didn't, what you had was shoes and your your hand to knock on a door. Yeah. You know, I remember taking guys out for training and they're like, well, this door says no soliciting. 
I'm like, that's so the losers don't come in. That means this place is fresh. Let's go. And so we'd go and, you know, knock on doors in a building and collect cards. I remember this always sticks with me, but this goes to the, the level of discipline required. Uh, I walked into a, 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 an office in a, in a building. It was, wasn't a huge building. It was maybe a three-story building with a bunch of offices in it. You know, one of those places that's not really well air-conditioned in the yeah. summer. It's that kind of building. Oh, yeah. And as I walked in, the, the lady behind the counter, I could tell she was playing solitaire because I could see the reflection in the mirror, in the glass behind her. But she walked in like I interrupted her day. And she took out a squirt gun before I could say anything. And she squirted me on my tie. And she's like, you should go get, go back to school and do something with your life. And she started to rip me up. Not a good move because I have, if anybody's ever driven with me in traffic, I have a, I have a certain traffic persona I put on. I will probably die in traffic one day for the things I say while I'm driving. So her and I exchanged some words and uh, I left. And I went back to my car. I was shaken up. I'd never been shot with a water gun before, <laughs> cold calling. And then I thought, you know what? This is probably the worst it's ever going to be. Yeah. And so I made it a point to cold call her about once a month. There you go. And I would just walk into her office and say, hi, how are you? And I, every time I did it, I did it like I'd never met her before. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that would allow me to level set my expectations. That if this is the worst it can be, everything else is going to be better. Yeah. And somebody sitting behind a desk is not going to limit who I can be in this world. You, nobody's allowed to tell me the level of success or failure I can achieve. I will decide that. Yep. So that's the kind of thing you learn. So I don't know a lot about your family, but I know you have children. I do. And I, I think about this often because I have children as well. Do you ever, are you ever afraid that your children won't have those formative years? Like, let me say this another way. Do you ever feel that you, maybe your children will be given different opportunities or better opportunities, but that they're not going to be able to eat dirt for an extended period of time without a bailout? So I'll, I'll give you a second to answer that because I had no safety net. So it made working, it made working hard and doing uncomfortable things pretty easy. Well, I don't want to say easy, but very necessary. Like yeah. my children, they know dad's going to bail them out. They know there's a safety net there. But anyways, so what do you, do you worry about that? And how does that uh, factor into yeah. your parenting? So first, it, it, it's a great question. I've never been asked that before, but it, so how it factors into me is my parents came over here with nothing, like not even an education. My mom wasn't allowed to get an education, mm -hmm. right? And my dad was a bike mechanic when he showed up. So he fixed bikes, yep. bikes, right? So, and from there, they raised a family. I've got a brother and a sister. They're fantastic people. My parents are just the best people in the world. Okay. So, I, but I've always said, how could I, you know, nobody ever immigrated to this company saying, you know, I'm going to come here and be mediocre. I'm just going to barely scrape by. Yeah. They didn't come here to do that. And so how could I just barely scrape by? I've got to make the most of what I've been given, right? Mm -hmm. But with my kids, I, I don't know if... It, they're going to eat dirt in certain ways. You know, yeah. both my kids, we put them in sports uh, so that they could learn competition and all those things. And the one thing that happened, we're going to go back to hunting here, Paul, because with me, it always comes back to hunting and fishing. But we just got a, uh, my son is 13. Oh, he's 14 now. But he got a limited entry draw. So he won a lottery to, to hunt elk in an area that's normally closed at that time of year. So for a hundred reasons that don't matter here, but you have to enter a lottery to do it. So he won that lottery, but that place is really, really far. Like it's a 16 hour drive from where I live. Yep. 
And so I don't know anybody up there, but it's only available on public land, on private land, I'm sorry. So you have to get approval from ranchers or farmers to hunt their land. Well, I don't know anybody up there. So guess what I did? I did a direct mail with phone follow-up campaign. Same stuff I learned at Sprint. Same thing I taught people in small towns, how to go and generate business when you don't have business. And I did that. And my son got to watch me because I did it at home while we're, you know, after I was at work. And so he heard me get lit up on the phone by people, ranchers and farmers in remote areas who don't like people finding their address. Sure. He heard me taking those phone calls and getting ripped to shreds. And then he heard me win one. We got a rancher. We got a farmer. So I ended up out of, uh, I had a goal of contacting 21. I could only find 14. Three people absolutely tore me a new body part. Yep. And three people said, love to have you come up. When are you coming? And my son got to watch me do that. So I hope, I hope he understands eating dirt is part of the formula. That's right. And sometimes like picking up the phone is a lost art. Oh my and God. so many people aren't picking up the phone because it's so easy to send an email and send a text message that our, yeah. our customers or buyers, they're not overwhelmed by people calling them because people have stopped calling. So that's right. That's a good point. Yeah. That's another, that's another conversation. Okay. So you're at Sprint and then what? So I'm at Sprint and then I, uh, I just get fed up with Sprint. Yep. And so I decide that I want to get better at business because I'm playing at it. Yep. And, and, and I should say that towards the end of my career at Sprint, I started selling used junk on eBay. And at this point I'm old. eBay yeah. had just started. Yeah. Like yeah. eBay was brand new. And so I'm selling used calculators, used LED calculators. And for people who are old enough to remember these, ColecoVision and Intellivision head-to-head gaming systems. The little LED lights in them, like head-to-head football and stuff. I'm nodding. I think I've heard of them. but Yeah. yeah. So I I would find them at garage sales and flea markets and uh, storage locker sellouts. And there's TV shows about this now. It's not as sexy as they make it. So you were an e-commerce guy before there was such thing as an e-commerce guy. So I did that and then, um, uh, so I was doing that and then I ended up buying a franchise, believe it or not, about business coaching. Yep. And the words, when I started, the word business and coach did not even go together. That'd be like calling me an apple gasket. Like, I don't know what's an apple guy. <laughs> um, so I, anyways, that was in the year 2000. So I've been doing this now, you know, at the time of our recording, we're at 2023. So I've been doing this for 23 years now. And your coaching has evolved over the years, but you've, tell me about your relationship with like the Brian Tracy organization and what you did with those companies. And wow, good research. Well, it stuck out to me because early in my career, so I'm a little bit younger than you, but early in my career, when I was watching training videos on all of the sort of things you need to do to be a professional and a professional salesperson and hold good meetings and be a good leader and do good one-on-ones and all these sort of things. I would watch these videos on this very archaic kind of system. I call it a system, but learning management system. And it was all Brian Tracy videos with like, a, and you could tell the videos were like 15 years old. So you knew, oh, yeah. we knew this stuff had some, some shelf life. So yeah. um, it's, it stood out to me when I saw that. So share with me what, what that journey or experience was like. Well, there's a bit of an arc, arc of a story there. So when I became a business coach, I was actually affiliated with a company based out of Australia. Mm-hmm. And I learned from this Australian multi-multi-millionaire who was a business turnaround expert. And uh, and through that, I ended up hearing about Brian Tracy and sort of meeting him in general terms, mm-hmm. but very loosely, like I was a guy in the audience. Took a picture with him in the back like everybody else does at the, at the show. And then when I... <laughs> There's some overlapping stories. Remember I said I used to sell used junk on eBay? Yes. Okay. So that business, these these story, these timelines overlap. Mm-hmm. That wasn't working. Believe it or not, I couldn't find enough 
used LED calculators to make it work. So it wasn't the demand, it was the supply side. It was the supply side. Oh, look at you. This is now a Freakonomics podcast. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) But you're talking my language. So I ended up switching to selling used books. Okay. And I did the math and I realized... Pre-Amazon. Kind of pre-Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, kind of pre-Amazon. I was on Amazon. They had Q stores at the time, not even Z stores. And so I was selling used books on Amazon and on eBay. And I realized I needed to have 250,000 books in inventory in order to sell enough to make the money I wanted to make. But I forgot to do the volume calculation. I, I was just trying in my head, like, I'm, I'm looking at my bookshelf back here. I'm like, I've, I have 24 books on this bookshelf. Like, I forgot to do that little calculation. I, I just knew I had to go get it. Yeah. But again, that's the bullheadedness of the sprint training. If that's the job, go do the job. Go do it. Go do the job. You know, so anyways, I turned that selling used calculators into selling used books into a mail order pharmacy. Got it. And so many of your listeners here might be get might be my old customers at CanadaPharmacy.com. Interesting. So from books to drugs. To drugs. To med- medicine, if you don't. To medicine, sorry. Medicine. Yeah. Medicine. Uh, anyways, when I sold that company, we were doing 500,000 transactions a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, top line sales was 120 million a year. Unbelievable. Wow. And, I, and then I sold that company. But at the same time, I was still a business coach with this Australian group. Yes. So then I let my Australian franchise lapse because it only had a five-year term. There's this little two-year period that isn't accounted for in the story so far, but that's where I was still running the pharmacy. And then Brian Tracy had a franchise that he was trying to grow. And so I ended up buying that from him. Mm -hmm. He had six franchisees. I had now sold the pharmacy. And so I became the global master franchisor for Brian Tracy. So we became actual business partners. Yeah. Yeah. And And so I did that for 13 years. And I, yeah, sorry. I was going to say, and then you found your passion that wasn't hunting and fishing, right? No, hunting and fishing has always been like Always a passion. Good for you. I was going to ask you what you did for fun. I'm glad you opened up with that. I, I, you know what, in, uh, in just a couple of weeks, I'm going fly fishing in Molokai for, for something called bonefish. Where so is say. Molokai? It's uh, in between Maui and uh, the Big Island. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, yeah. that's a respectable place to go fishing for bonefish. Isn't it? it sounds it good. Is. Yeah. Explain to my wife, if you don't mind, why me and three of my buddies are going to Hawaii without the rest of the family, but that's a different story. <laughs> well, okay. So you, you obviously have a very interesting career path. Now you're doing co- coaching and consulting and mm-hmm. strategy planning. If I'm saying that the right way strategic for small planning, yeah. strategic yeah. planning. Oh man, you, you can tell it's a Monday here. No, it's okay. You're strategy good. plan, strategic planning. Um, Talk to me about kind of the the evolution of coaching over the years, the state of coaching or what coaching looks like or or said another way, um, what are some things that maybe are misunderstood about coaching from your perspective now? Hmm. It, do you mind if I add another question on top of there? Sure. I'm yeah. sure your listeners have is, okay, this guy has not mentioned construction in a while. Why is he, <laughs> yes. uh, right? Like why point. is he a business coach for construction? The reason I like it is because it is my kitchen table when I grew up. Mm-hmm. It is the weekend barbecue and picnic in my family. I'm Italian. So yes, a lot of us are contractors. So I was, I always naturally gravitated towards construction conversations. And even mm-hmm. at Sprint, those small companies I helped in remote towns, yep. they're generally were like a service company, right? They were doing low voltage stuff or, you know, anything related to telephone installs. So I've always been in that construction space. It just doesn't necessarily sound like it, but. Mm-hmm. 
when I sold the uh, uh, the business that I had with Brian Tracy, I decided I didn't want to travel as much because I traveled a ton, a ton. Mm-hmm. I traveled so much that the concierge at the hotel invited me to their birthday party. Yeah, that's a big hey, dude, deal. You're traveling too much. Yep. <laughs> when you get invited to the hotel staff's birthday party. Definitely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I was a regular at one of the Phoenix airport restaurants. That's the only restaurant. <laughs> like it's bad. So anyways, um, I decided that I, that I needed to change for that. And, um, that's how construction came in. So let's go back to the questions that you asked there. And you want to put them in order of importance? Like, what would you like me to hammer first? Um, kind of the state of coaching as it stands today. Okay. So that's interesting because the state of coaching slightly frustrates me. Mm-hmm in that anybody can say they're a business coach. Yes. And so the high watermark is not that high. Right. Which is, is is a challenge. Now I've been training business coaches for I don't know, like 20 some odd years. Mm-hmm. And so I've seen that and what's missing a lot is there's a lot of theory business coaches and not very many reality-based business coaches. So anybody who's looking for a business coach, there's lots around. You have you have unlimited choice in who your business coach is, but be picky. And find somebody that understands business as much as they understand business coaching, because there is a difference. You know, it's, it's interesting. I find that the demand, the demand surprises me with all of the tools that are available and all of the free resources and all of the YouTube videos and all of these best practice groups and all these things that you could, and all these books you can just pick up. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's an unlimited demand for people wanting coaches and why, 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 where's, why is the gap? The content is there, so, the structure's there. Like what's the gap? Yeah, that's a, that's actually a question that we've toyed with for a long time. And I think the reason is this, if you can buy a book, mm-hmm. let, let's use fitness as an example and not talk about business. So why are there so many personal trainers out there? There's books on personal training, sure. there's YouTube videos on how to train yourself. And yet, why do we still need to go to a gym with a trainer? Why do I need to go to a group class for something? Or why do I want to join a group and go hiking? If I could just go hiking on my own, why do I need that? And it's because there's another level of accountability Mm -hmm. and you get pushed to a level that beyond yourself. So if I said, Hey, Paul, do a couple pushups. You'd be like, yeah, I can do 10. But if you had a coach there, he'd be like, okay, listen, bring your shoulders in, tuck your elbows in, see if you can get another five for me. And then you do it. He goes, okay, take a break. Now let's do this and work on this side. And then they're going to give you some assessment, some analysis, some guidance. And before you know it, you've done 30. And you're like, well, I thought I could only do five or 10. And that's what coaching provides on the, on the physical side, right? On the, the going to the gym type side. It's the same thing with a business coach. It's a, when you get the right business coach, by the way, you have a non-equity partner in your business. Mm-hmm. Like somebody who's got a vested interest in just you, just you. They're not trying to sell you software. They're not yeah. trying to sell you, you know, a, a new anything. They just want you to improve. How nice is that? Yeah. When you are working with a client on coaching and we'll just call it an owner of a construction company or an HVAC company, one-to-one and you're sizing up the gaps, right? You're sizing up, um, you know, what's missing, what they're doing wrong, where the opportunities are, the threats, all of those sort of things. Is it pretty consistent throughout? Like, can you size up a company pretty quickly or is it case by case? What are some consistencies you see that people need to work on? So that's a great question. And the first thing I have to do is I'm, I have to put my ego aside. I don't have all the answers. Yeah. And so I have run into trouble when I walk in and go, yeah, easy. Got to change this, change this, change that. Yep. I haven't done a good job 
And I know that there's, there's ways that I can see that. So what I have to do is I have to slow down and act like it's the first time Mm -hmm. we've ever encountered that problem and start to piece it, pull it apart with the owner. Mm -hmm. Respectfully, they've been dealing with this issue for five, 10, 20 years, two generations. How can I just come in and in five minute phone call say, well, clearly you have a problem with your average dollar sale. Clearly you have a problem with upselling or qualifying. It's not respectful and it's not right. Now, that being said, in general terms, there's always things that any business could work on. Your dentist, your grocery store, your company, and your competitor's company. And we can look at those through the lens of uh, time and time management. Mm -hmm. So time to complete a job, time management for the owner. So that's the, the broad sort of theme of time. There are always issues around people. Mm-hmm. Right. And because until we can run these things on robots, we're going to have to deal with people. Right. Time. We've got money, of course. Yep. Um, and, and inside of money, there's just a thousand different, you know, takeoffs. Right. There's strategy, which you've heard me talk about and you've already in your research found out there's, you know, having a written plan is what you need to do, just like yep. blueprints, right? Schematics. And then the themes of marketing and sales. Yep. And the reason that those come in is because usually problems in a business that relate to their kind of customers or their revenue or collections actually starts as a marketing problem. Yeah. And so quite often we call those dragon's eggs. You want to go get the dragon's eggs and solve them before they turn into a dragon. Got it. I like that. Now, yeah. um, last time we talked, you had actually shared some insight with me around how to conduct and hold, you know, better, more effective meetings. And I, yeah. if I recall, this was kind of your weekly or your monthly or your daily cadence. Talk to me about what you work with in your coaching clients as it uh, relates to, you know, holding people accountable and daily meetings, weekly meetings, whatever that looks like. I thought that was really insightful. Yeah. So there's a lot in that. And, and so first of all, let's agree that meetings can suck. Yes. So we have to make them suck less. And the reason they suck is because they take time and it slows everybody up and people feel like, well, if you just leave me alone, I would do my job and we wouldn't have to have this meeting about me doing my job. And yet in reality, we need to communicate just like a football team. After every play, what do they do? Yep. Huddle. They come, they come back to a huddle. Yep. It's their meeting, right? As a matter of fact, use the sports analogy. Imagine that a team, it doesn't matter what sport it is, whether it's football whether it's soccer or European football, whatever you'd call that, right? Uh, whether Even whether it's tennis. Imagine that there was no coach on the sidelines. How would that team or player perform? And you may be going, yeah, it sounds interesting, Dom, you know. Okay, now I want you to take you forward to Saturday. You finally sit in your comfy chair and you crack a beer. Am I allowed to say beer on this podcast? You are. Absolutely. Crack a beer. And Fact you hear time. the announcer say, <clears throat> sponsored by Fat uh, And you hear the announcer say, hey, today, home team, which is your team, will not be having a coaching staff. The coaching staff have decided not to take to the field. What would you think are your team's chances of winning? They would look, one, as a fan, you feel like your team is vulnerable. You feel like there's no leadership. How can they possibly communicate? Um, well, hold on. These are all professionals. Yeah. And they make millions of dollars. That's a really that good running point. back. Came, he was first round draft choice. He makes milk. Couldn't he just play on his own? It's the best player in the world. Best player. He'll tell you that, by the way. It's so interesting. Good. That is a really profound analogy. Thank that you. is a drop mic moment for hiring a coach. <laughs> right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and to get the perspective. And by the way, I should add this. This does not serve my purposes at all, but you should expect to cycle through some coaches. 
Yeah. You should have a coach for two years, then get another one. Yep. Then get another one. Just like taking a course in university, you know, take a course that specializes in this, get a finance focused coach, get a marketing focused coach, get an operate, like I'm more operations and entrepreneurship focused, but go yep. through those phases and understand you're going to learn different things from different people. So let's talk about the huddle while we're on the sports Sorry, analogy. We no, got away from that. So no, no, this was, this was perfect. I actually love that. Let's talk about the huddle. So obviously a sports team playing at a high level without a coach, I see it. Tell me about a sports team that never reconnects, never communicates. Talk, talk about the huddle. Well, so you need to have a huddle, right? So that we can communicate as a team. So, so if you've ever heard this in your company, then perk your ears up. The left hand never knows what the right hand is doing. Mm -hmm. Or somebody's going to come to you with an excuse, which I don't like, but they're going to say, well, I never knew. Yeah. I never knew this. Or how come I didn't know that? Or we've got gaps where the customer is has a legitimate complaint saying, well, how come you guys don't talk to each other? Yeah. You said nobody was going to show up and then they showed up at 10 o'clock and blah, blah, blah. So the, the ways that we overcome that are from simple systems. Mm -hmm. And I'm a massive fan of simple systems, okay. mostly because I'm not that smart. I like rhythms in the business. I like repetition because repetition builds confidence. Okay. And so there's a simple five-point agenda that can be used for any meeting. And when you get disciplined on following this agenda, you can run a team of, let's say, 20 people through it in 12 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. You'll, I'll, I'll share the agenda now if, we, if, if you're okay with that. Please, I'd love to. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So you can see how the agenda will stay the same, but the topics inside it will change as we need to. So uh, for those of you listening along, I'll repeat it a couple times and I'll use the numbers that go along with it. So agenda point number one, is, hi, how is everybody today? Because we still have to humanize things and have a little chat, right? Agenda point number two is numbers. Number three is updates. Number four is bottlenecks. You know what I mean? Bottlenecks, like things that constraints. Oh, yeah. Bottlenecks. Yep. Yeah. I'm trying to use normal people language here. And then number five is who is going to do what by when. And I did that enunciation on purpose to be a little annoying. Who will do what by when? Wheatthins. <laughs> what was that? Wheat thins. I think that Wheat is thins. a family guy reference. If I'm, is it? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Wheat thins. Yeah. yeah, but who's going to do what by when, right? So did that make sense? We got it, all five of those? It does. And I'm selfishly, just for the listeners, I am selfishly like... If you're watching this on YouTube, looking down and taking notes, because I'm in the middle of defining what my own cadence with my team looks like. And I've used this to kick off with my team actually just this year. And um, I'll talk about it as we go along. But um, I, this this stood out to me last time we talked. And so I want to go as deep as you're willing to go on these. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah go ahead, take over. I want to hear about how to hold better meetings in 2023. Yeah. And so first of all, one of the things that's important in my values is respect for intellectual property. Mm hmm. Because I deal in intellectual property. This system, Dami didn't come up with. Okay. This is from Vern Harnish in a book called Scaling Up. And I've just I've used it in multiple different businesses. Vern Harnish has been around for a very long time. His actually, actually his first book was called Mastering the Rockefeller Habits. And that's where I first learned it. Yep. And then then he reformatted it and it's now called Scaling Up. Mm -hmm. There's another gentleman who has another strategic planning system, and his name is Gino Wickman. Yep. And this book, other people are familiar with, which is Traction or Get a Grip. He's got a couple different books. Very buzzy here. 
the traction. So traction has yeah. a lot of different flavors, a lot of different spinoffs. I mean, I have been through the book and I use elements of traction that are just, I'm absolutely winging it. Um, tell me if you can, the connection between Vern Harnish and Gina Wickman and kind of the history or context there. And we'll get back into that. I just think this would be interesting to, for our listeners. Yeah. So, um, uh, for many years, I've been a, a, a member of a business group called EO. Yep. The word is EO, stands for Entrepreneurs' Organization. <clears throat> Coincidentally, one of the founders of EO, the Entrepreneurs' Organization, is Vern Harnish. Yep. And so EO has chapters all over the world. And it's a, it's a global organization of entrepreneurs who just want to get better at doing what they do. It's not, you might think it's all about business, but it's about the whole business person of an entrepreneur. And so I've been a member of that, you know, years. Yep. So Vern wrote the book and it got adopted inside of Entrepreneurs Organization highly. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of years later, Gino Wickman wrote his version of a strategic plan. And uh, I'm not sure how those two gentlemen get along right now, but there's some similarities and crossovers between the two. But Gino Wickman's uh, book Traction is a much simplified version. And as a matter of fact, it's although I started with the Rockefeller Habits or Vern Harnish's system, I now use the uh, Gino Wickman version, the EOS slash traction system a lot. And the acronym EO and EOS are unrelated oh, in any way. They're right? unrelated. I'm sorry. Yeah. But, but yeah. you wouldn't know that. Like, that's why it can be confusing, I think, oh, from people from yeah. the outside. So that's a really good question. So EO and EOS, as far as I know, are not related at all. EO stands for Entrepreneurs Organization. And way back in the day, it used to be called YEO, the Young Entrepreneurs Organization. Uh, and then EOS stands for entrepreneurial operating system. Yep. So yeah, it's funny because I, I've been inside that world for so long. I didn't see the connection between the two. So the principles of how you run a meeting agenda mm -hmm. are from the Vern Harnish scaling up. So I'll make a link to that in the blog yeah. post. And then now walk me through the fundamental, um, elements of that again, either one by one or collectively or, or share an applied how, how you've applied. Yeah. That. Yeah. If you don't mind, let me do that because one of the, the probably, well, it's critical and it's in order of operations, right? So item number one is high, just to remind us as business owners, just take a second and build culture and value with your team. And it's a time to kibbutz around and chat. Um, but item number two is numbers. That mm -hmm. is so critical. Okay. So critical. And the reason is the only thing I want to know from my team during the numbers section is numbers. Yep. I don't want stories. Mm. Those of you listening who have salespeople in your company, think about the time you ask your, the salesperson in your company for a number and they tell you a story. And that story goes on forever and never actually has an answer. We don't have time for that. Jeremy, uh, at this point in, this, in, the, in the meeting, I need numbers. And so here's what it should sound. And I'm picking on Jeremy for Jeremy. If you're listening, we're not talking about you. We're talking about a fictitious Jeremy. That's right. <clears throat> but Paul, when I say, hi, everybody, how are you? Great. Let's get the meeting kicked off. We should be done here in 12 or 13 minutes. Paul, can you tell us your numbers? All we're going to hear from Paul in an ideal word it, world is um, 98, 72, 13, 1. 92,000. Now, without context, without knowing what he's talking about, those numbers just float out there. But imagine for a second there's a whiteboard behind yeah. it. Let's just go yeah. to low tech, just low tech because we can all understand it, a whiteboard. 
And being written on there are those numbers ending with 92,000. Yep. There's a definition on the left-hand column that says what those things are. We already know what those numbers are. Paul already knows the expectation when we come to that meeting that he's just going to rattle off his numbers. Yeah. And now I'm going to turn to Jenny. Jenny, what are your numbers, please? She's going to go 4, 16, 9, 2. Yep. Great. Thank you, Jenny. And so we go through it. The hard part, the work for the business owner here is go figure out those critical numbers. Right. Now, just a really quick aside, people will say to you, why do we waste the time saying the numbers out loud and then writing them on the board? Couldn't I just update them on a sheet? You guys do it on your own. Except what's gone from that is the accountability for your position. Right. Because Paul, I want you to say out loud those numbers. 92,000 sounds like a very nice number to all of us. But what if your number is supposed to be 300,000? Right. And that's a month end final sales number. Not such a good number. Right. And this will really make sense when somebody has a number to report and they report a zero. Yeah. Listen to how they say zero, zero, zero. But I'm, I'm working on some things. I, I got some stuff in the pipe. Okay, great. We can talk about that later. So got numbers it. is, Next. does that make sense? Yeah. 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 I think it also um, has a, an obviously um, it, it can drive behavior because you don't want to. Now, how often are you doing the numbers updates? Is, that a, is this a daily huddle? <clears throat> so. The huddle depends on the cadence of your business. Yeah. If you've got high transactions, then you do this daily. Yeah. You know, in construction and trades, we could probably do it weekly. Yeah. Yeah. If you're doing mega projects, you might do it month. No, you'd still need to do it weekly for your GC. Would you do it based off a business outcome? So for instance, a job sold, or would you do it based off of a behavior that leads to an outcome like a proposal delivered? Mm. What would be, if you, how would you coach a, contractor there so uh, unfortunately i'm going to have to give you the it depends mm -hmm. answer because totally it, it really does depend on what the inputs or outputs are but if, if i think about really quickly why is paul working here well he's here to sell okay selling should be a number yep okay what does paul need to do to sell well he needs to go on first appointment he needs to go on appointments okay let's count that so there's at least two numbers we need from paul yep. in a sales capacity yep right um, Jenny, I think I used the name of Jenny. If she's giving me numbers and maybe she has a, an estimating position, she's going to be counting other things like how many estimate requests did we receive? How many dispatches did we do? Whatever is important to that position, start there. But the important thing is get started. Yep. It's going to change over time, but get started and then you can change it. And the next agenda item is updates. So how do you yeah. use this time? So we're doing this round robin, right? So I, Paul, can you give me your numbers? Jenny, can you give me your numbers? George, Fred, Susie, yep. et cetera. Okay. Go around. You're going around the table, uh, as it were. So now I'm going to go back and say, Paul, can you give me your updates? And what I want to hear from you then is what are you working on yeah. this period? So if it's a daily huddle, what are you working on today or this week? If it's a weekly huddle, what are you working on this week or this month? And I just need the high points because, Paul, you have 30 seconds to give me an update. 30 Impossible. seconds. I, yeah. I can do this for well, my team. I could never be held accountable to 30 seconds. Same, same as me, man. You give me a microphone, you're never getting it back. <laughs> well, back when I was seven. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Sorry. But I don't want to hear Sorry, that. Will. Yeah. Right? And so it takes some discipline in the beginning where you say, Paul, thank you. I appreciate it. It's a good story. We got to keep this section to 30 seconds or less. And then you go, I just got one more thing to say. Okay, no problem. But tomorrow or next week, remember this segment is 30 seconds or less per person. Mm -hmm. And you, you get, it, it takes training, right? Yep. So then I go to Jenny. She gives me 30 seconds on what's up 
what are her updates in her department. And hers are going to be different. But this is the left hand knows what the right hand is doing thing, right? Because yep. now Jenny hears Paul say something. Go, Paul, actually, I'm sorry. We got that email. I just, I thought I forwarded it to you or, you know, whatever happens, right? That's natural conversation. Now, what we have to be careful of is that side conversation popping up. So if I hear Paul and Jenny now having a side convo, I'm hosting the meeting in this case. I'm going to yep. say, Jenny and Paul, great convo. Can you guys meet on that right after this meeting? Yep. So stay here. Everybody else go back to their desks. You guys meet on it. So now any side meetings are pushed off to the side. So we do that with what's up and then we do the same or updates. I'm sorry. And then we do the same thing with bottlenecks. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll say, okay, folks, now we've gone through updates. Can you tell me where you're stuck? What are your bottlenecks right now? Paul, why don't you go first? 30 seconds or less, please. And he's going to say, I need that email from Jenny. I thought I had it. I didn't see it. Whatever. Right. Vulnerable moment here. Do you know what scares me about the bottlenecks? Yeah. No, I think that, um, there are bottlenecks in every business. There's um, obviously opportunities in every business. As a as a business owner, if I'm holding this meeting, I'd be afraid that I wouldn't have enough time, especially if I'm doing it daily, sometimes even a weekly, but like I'm envisioning myself doing it daily. Um, I wouldn't be able to resolve the bottleneck before it's the next time to report the bottleneck. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, just talk to me about that or, or talk to me off the ledge there. And that's a really random. I think I hate to just say it depends because it really yeah. does depend on the situation. But yeah. look, I'm I'm human, and everybody knows that I'm doing what I'm doing, and I know, and I'm trying to understand they're human as well. Yeah. Right. And so, if we're working on the bottleneck, I, I don't, I can't, you know, can you give me a situation. It would be different yeah. for somebody else. But I'm I'm thinking like the parking lot concept of that's in the parking lot, that's in the queue. You know, give me a blah blah blah. Give me. I shouldn't say blah. Okay. Blah. Oh, give me. No, a no, no. Blah. But yep. actually, that's a good point. So. Everybody in that meeting has a different priority. Mm-hmm. And so if you ask them what the priorities are for the business to be working on, they're all going to tell you, probably, let's say they're, they're all talking about the same things, but in a different order. Yep. Right. And so what I'll say back to my team is, look, I appreciate that's your high priority. That's on the list, but there's a huge list. It's on the list. It's just not number one right now. Yeah. Once we work through the other items, we're going to get to that one. So thanks for bringing it up. That's it, right? Okay. They're saying that the copier is stuck and it takes us forever at the copier. Go, appreciate it. We know about that. It's great that you remembered, reminded me. It's on the list. It's just not number one right now. Yep. And once we get through number one through five, we'll get to that next. All right. Now, speaking yep. of number five, so we're past bottlenecks. Now, who is going to do what by when? Talk yeah. to me about and this. That's, that's the accountability, right? That's where I'm going to say things like, uh, Jenny and Paul, can you meet right now? Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, Jeremy. Can you, can you please give us an update on the delivery times for the sheet metal for the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right. And can I have that by today at noon? So who, Jeremy, is going to do what? Get me the update on the sheet metal, da, 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 by today at noon. And then Jeremy's going to say, I can or I can't. But now the expectation is set that I need it by noon. Yeah. Right. And it's, remember, this meeting's happening all the time. So it's, it, you're not just going to do it in January. Or in February, you're right. going to constantly be picking away at it. And you're just trying to get the momentum, the rhythms of business mm-hmm. put in place. So there's continuity. So there's consistency. So now we're going to shift gears and kind of round out with talk, talking about strategic planning. Mm. So it seems to be an area where you invest a lot of time with your customers. Ton of time. Um, I want to talk about that. I also want to talk about the how you take those principles and apply them to your family which I know you've talked about 
before. So um, talk to me about strategic planning. And then I want to talk about uh, setting a strategic plan either for your business or your family. I'll let you take that whatever direction you sure. want to take. Sure. So when you have a question about strategic planning, what's your what direction would you like that to go in? How do so? L- let me. I'm going to put myself in the in the shoes of my customers here, or my uh, my customers, listeners who might be small business owners, HVAC company owners, mm-hmm. who are um, you know you're getting a lot of things inbound. You're getting a lot of new programs and new software and new ideas and new things, and you're kind of throwing it out there to your team. And you're going into the beginning of the year. It's January, and you want to just like breathe fresh air into the business and kind of set it, you know, set the direction, but you don't want to keep changing directions. And you, and by the way, all of this is going to happen. It's going to get warm or it's going to get cold or something's going to happen to the business and they're going to just be off to the races. And what happens is, and this is, this is the case for I'm almost any contractor I've worked with. It's just a repeat of the prior year, every year in perpetuity forever. Like there's, Not I I don't I don't want to say that companies don't grow, um, but it's just the same problems they're trying to solve with new people over and over. Maybe you make a little bit more profit this year, or a little bit less, and then you're kind of like, you know, going with the whims of weather. But you can't do it repeatable. But it's you not, can't exactly. Yeah, so so how do you work with your clients on strategic planning? And if it's it, it's January when our when our listeners are listening to this, how can they inject some of that into their business? Yeah. You'd think I'd have an easy answer for that. So I'm going to, uh, I'll, I'll answer and then I'll get you to redirect me if I'm not going down the right path. Sure, yeah. How's that sound? So if anybody listening has ever been in a situation where they've said to themselves or maybe out loud, I have so much to do. I don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. If you've ever said that. Oh yeah. If you've ever sat back and as a wise leader, watched your people working and thought Jenny's working really hard on the wrong thing mm-hmm. and Paul's working really hard on the wrong thing. And every time we have a meeting, Jenny and Paul have different priorities and they keep, you know, I'll say arguing, but I don't mean it in an angry way, right? They, they want their priorities put forward and they don't understand why things aren't moving fast enough. If you've ever had those things in your company, and we all have, I've had them in my companies, like my, the highest number of employees I ever had reporting to me was 140. And then, oh no, that's not, sorry, the 140 in the first company. And then the other company was 237. Hmm. And how do you keep all those people on track with what the priorities are? Because everybody, independent thinkers, different, you know, their day goes differently, their home life is different, all those things. So we have to have a plan. And the, if I don't put a plan in place, other people will come up with their own plan. Yep. Paul is has a priority because in his mind, doing his best work, that's the priority. But Jenny's got a different viewpoint. Maybe she does estimating, maybe just dispatch. As I said, maybe she's the lawyer for the company. She has different priorities. And so her priority seems like number one, but it's part of a bigger picture. So I have to help by giving the company priorities using a strategic plan. And really what we're doing is downloading your head, everything in your head onto a piece of paper. Yep. And then once it's on that piece of paper, we can all discuss how it's going to happen and what order it's going to happen. But if you truly take a step back as an entrepreneur, you're like, I don't care what order these happen in, they're going to happen. So I find it interesting, and this is why I love the work you've done on this, but I find it interesting that, uh, well, maybe I should say it this way. My wife finds it interesting that I am super, super, super intentional and thoughtful and strategic about work. I'm always thinking about it. I'm always working on it. I'm always you know, trying to develop someone, at least I should be. Um, I'm, I'm thinking and just, you know, how can I make things better for my customer? But then with my family life, 
I'm here, I'm present, but I don't have a game plan. Like I'm just kind of winging it, right? Hoping things just kind of work out. Um, and how do you take that same like approach to creating a strategic, strategic plan for your business and apply that to your family without scaring yeah. your family away? So, I, I mean, I think the easy answer is, you know, I did, I did a Ted talk on this, mm-hmm. but let me go back. And the way you posed it to me was actually as a business question. Right. And when I go home, you guys are going to laugh. I'm actually not in charge. Relatable. I'm just saying in my house, I don't know about your house. <laughs> Very <laughs> much so. But, and, and if I come in and start swinging the ax and like, I'm in charge here, that's quite disrespectful to my wife who happens yeah. to at this stage in our life is running the home. Yep. And I don't have time to look over her shoulder, nor does she have time to explain to me why this practice and this doctor's appointment and this thing got moved there. I'm happy to go into that other role where I'm there to support. Mm-hmm. Now, if I obviously, just like in any marriage, if you have an opinion or there's something that falls to me, uh, I'll take the lead on it. But that's that's in my head. Now, if my wife was listening, she might have a completely different set of explanations. But look, there can only be one person in charge or mm-hmm. we're just going to fight. We're just going to fight. Yep. I don't want to fight. By the time when I get home, I just want to love everybody. I want to hug my kids, kiss my wife. Like I just want to be a dad and a husband. And that's actually why I do all this so that I get to go home and do what I want. That's right. But at home, unless I'm required to be the leader, and obviously there's roles we do that, then I'm the second and I'm okay with that. Yeah. And you talked in your TED talk about. I don't want to say tricking your family into strategic planning <laughs> or setting goals and a vision for your family, but talk Ma- to me. Making a bit it approachable, that. I think Paul's what I said. How did I make it there you approachable, go. Making it approachable. relatable? Yeah. Yeah. I had to bring so for, for people who are listening but haven't seen the TED talk, which by the oh. way was one of the hardest things I've ever done. You looked very natural and it looked very it was very good and it was you looked the oh, part. Okay. So great so, job. So thank you. But the story behind the story is that 15 minute talk took a year. Oh yeah. One full year. And during that year, I was that guy in the corner of Starbucks talking to himself. Oh yeah. Been there. So when you go to Starbucks and you see some dude in the corner talking to himself, he might be prepping for a Ted talk because that's <laughs> did, what I did. Did the preparation of that, uh, create either new training muscles or pathways that help you prepare for big things now? Cause those are, when you have something Ooh. like that on the calendar, like, I don't know how I don't know. I don't know how some people do this because it is a lot of work. Oh my gosh. So much work. I think the the hard part was the humility of it because I, uh, I'm, I'm a professional speaker in in many regards. Like I'm, you could drop me in a stadium right now and have me talk on a topic. I know I wouldn't even skip a heartbeat. I would open for, you know, I would say, and now Beyonce for Super Bowl. Like (laughs) I, no problem. I could do 10 minutes warm up for her. Um, She's never going to ask me by the way. You never know. You never know, right? But a prepared talk is not my thing. I would have yeah. rather had uh, three talking points and a 15-minute time limit. But oh, that's not what they wanted. Right and so yeah. the hard part for me was actually going in front of this panel, and I had to deliver it in front of a panel in like a hotel conference room. Mm-hmm. Probably, I'm not kidding, nine times. Yeah. And I did, I'll, I'm not kidding, a hundred rewrites of that speech. <sighs> Brutal. It was, With their feedback? Whoa, with their loving feedback. Mm. Gross, gross. From left field. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Anyways, and there's all sorts of stories there. But the um, but the t- here's the problem that created the need for that is my daughter at the time was, I, I can't remember now, 11 or 12 years old, and she got a cell phone. 
mm-hmm. and her life went in the toilet within about two days. Yeah, because cyberbullying from all the other girls in school just got intense and crazy in like yeah. like that. <clears throat> and what happened is she was defending her friend. Her friend is a really nice girl, but you know, girl, you know, people are people. I don't know everything's going on. So, but. Um, my daughter stepped in to defend her friend in this online platform. And then my daughter became the focus of like just absolute burning comments, horrible hatred. Mm. And she went from being a happy, super positive girl to just walking around the house. Like, like she just watched her pet get hit by a train. Mm -hmm. It was so bad. So, um, in order to overcome that, we used business tools and one of them was strategic planning, but I had to modify it down. We did vision boards. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that situation's behind you. <clears throat> yeah. And she's back to being happy and energetic and <laughs> awesome. Good, good. Well, this has been uh, really helpful. Um, if our listeners want to get in touch with you or want to talk to you about coaching or consulting mm. or strategic planning or any of the things that you do or just want to um, get some advice on how to ha- handle their their next meeting, if you are so open to that, sure. how, do, how yeah. do they get in touch with you? Uh, well, thanks. I mean, you can go to the website, which is 10xbuilt.com, 10xblt.com, which if you if you like the humor of Paul and I, can I tell you where BLT comes from? Yes, please. Remember earlier you were asking what do people look for when they start to work with a coach? We said money yes. is one of the items. There's time, there's team, there's money, there's growth strategy, marketing sales. But under the, everybody thinks it's about money, but it's not. What actually happens is a guy wants to drive a newer truck towing a bigger boat to a nicer lake, right? And so BLT came up, boat, lake, truck. Boat, lake, truck. Oh my God. But, it also, like a- but it's an acronym for built, 10X built. If you want yeah, to 10X yeah. your company in MEP, like mechanical engineering, plumbing, uh, HV, HVAC, you know, whatever it is, there's a formula for doing that. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. So go find out how the formula works, but go there, send us a note. If, uh, if somebody does want the plan, how to make 2023 your best year ever, when you go to 10X BLT, just send us a note there and we'll make sure you get that. BLT boats or boat, boat lake, lake truck. truck sounds like the best country song ever written. Wow. Dominic, thank you so much for your time. Listeners, if you enjoyed this, please reach out to Dominic. And as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please go to wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review. Five stars, please. If any less than that, I will try hard to get it deleted. Shout out to someone who left me a three-star review with no comments, just just right in the middle of the road. They kind of liked it. They kind of didn't. But thank you so much for listening to the Change Your Filter podcast with Tall Paul. Thank you for listening to the Change Your Filter podcast. I hope this podcast today was valuable for you. If you liked this podcast, please go to wherever you listen to podcasts and write a review. And if you have an idea of a guest or a topic, leave it in the notes of our YouTube feed. If you are interested in learning more about Contractor Commerce, go to contractorcommerce.com, click learn more, and my team will hook you up.